Welcome to the podcast, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, where we will discuss the latest and most relevant business strategies to help you do one thing extremely well, sell more homes. We'll discuss everything from business planning to lead generation and conversion to past client customer service and everything in between. Join us for authentic conversations and nuts and bolts takeaways you can implement into your business today. And now, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook. Um, we do have Kelly Cook with us today, looking all official with his mic and his, um, you know, headphones. We've come a long way. If you guys have been watching or listening uh, for years now since we got <laughs> we got started, um, I mean, Kelly has just really stepped up his whole game. So nice job there, Kelly. But I do have a question for you to to keep you on your toes. What is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? Off oh. the top of your head. Oh, oh, wow. Uh, off the top of my head, I can tell you kind of what the best piece of advice I wish I would have been given. Okay, okay. So this there? is Kelly's own advice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I talk about, I think about this all the time, right? Because I have three kids and they're eight, nine, and 11. And I feel like, this is going to maybe upset some people, right? But I feel like there's um, certain industries, right, uh, that uh, maybe, I don't know, not easy, nothing's easy, but like the, the, the model set up in which it can be easier once you put your work in and you and your time in, right? And you, you grind it out and you make it, then, it, then the next, the back half of the career while you're still working could be easier, than many, many other professions. So I taught, I, I, I have this thing in my head that when my kids get a little bit older and they're maybe going to ask dad's advice or not, I'll just tell them. No, they can never say, I never told them, right? Um, hey, dad, what, what what would you recommend I do for, for a job when I get older, right? When I graduate college or whatever. And I'm going to say, okay, here's what your dad, here's what I wish someone had told me. I would do one of these, I don't know, four or five things. Anesthesiologist, insurance agent, financial advisor, commercial real estate agent, or attorney. That's it. That's five. All right. And, and, I, and I have reasons for all of it, but just like, you know, this whole residual thing, right, mm -hmm. is very intriguing. And I remember one person told me a long time ago, hey, man, you seem like a, this is a while back, you seem like you have a, you know, a bunch of energy and and you can talk to people and you enjoy it and, and um, you're probably a pretty good sales agent in, in real estate seems like, why did you never do insurance? And I was like, I, I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I didn't, what are you talking like, about? What a weird question. Yeah. yeah. And, and and the guy was in insurance, you know, he's probably like 55, you know, been in it forever, 60. And, um, and I go, why? And he goes, well, because once you actually befriend somebody and they want to do business with you and you sell them, let's say, right. A policy of some sort, it, they keep paying it every month. It's a, it's a more of a subscription than yeah, a one-time transaction. And I sat there and I thought for like three seconds, staring at the wall and my mind just goes like, Oh my goodness. Right. But it was, too, it was too late. I mean, it was, it wasn't too late. Nothing ever too late. Let's be honest, but I enjoy real estate. I do. I thoroughly enjoy real estate. And that doesn't mean I'm going to tell my five kids, they need to do those five things. I'm going to tell them to do what this, makes them this happy. This is a good idea. Yeah. But here's some right. good ideas for you. Right. <laughs> Yet, if it's about 
these things of money and maybe, you know, having a, a, you know, a little bit easier time on the back half of your career and blah, blah, blah. Then maybe you should consider these things. That's all. Cause I wish kind of someone would have told me, would that have changed my, my, my career? And, and would I not be on this podcast today? Maybe, I don't know, maybe, but I wouldn't trade for well, the we world. Might, we might be sitting here talking about insurance. The exactly. only difference. So <laughs> I still wouldn't trade for the world. I, I, I love what I do. I love my clients. I love helping people and um, giving back um, for all the things I've, you know, been able to learn over the years. So, so there, there's a long winded answer. Elizabeth. All right. Well, that is a way to start off the podcast. We get some really good advice from Kelly that, um, you know, you're already in the wrong in- industry, apparently, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, that's great. No, you're not. You are in the right <laughs> industry because someone goes, well, hold on. If you're in resident, residential real estate and you did it right and you have a database, a foundation and people are going to refer like you, that. it's kind of residual too, right? And I go, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there you go. It's just a different way of being residual, but it's kind of that way if yeah. you're doing a little bit longer right time spans in between. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. But if you have enough clients and past clients you did a great it job for, for and you keep in touch with them, right? There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So absolutely. you are in the right industry. You are. <laughs> so so listen to the rest of this podcast or yes, else. absolutely. Because we're gonna tell you all about how you can continue to make the back half of your your uh industry, your industry choice, um yeah. kind of be a, a nicer one where you don't have to grind so hard. One of those ways that we're gonna talk about today is really kind of going back to what Kelly said about if you're an insurance agent and you befriend the right amount of people and all of that stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about some more friendships that you can make today um, as a real estate agent and in terms of new construction, um, yeah. which is something that we haven't really touched on a lot uh, in this podcast. But, and I know that different states kind of have different um, setups for how they go about, uh, you know, representing for a builder client new um, construction. Some have sales representatives, some have agents who represent them. It's different all over. Um, But we're going to talk a little bit about how you can kind of slide in there and um, hopefully get some of that business. So Kelly, you're in one of those states that there's not many um, agents that are able to represent a new home sale, correct? Right. Right. So you have to get creative. Yep. Definitely. So how, how yeah. are you getting creative about that? Yeah. Good question, Elizabeth. So um, we uh, have a, um, a unique situation, right? In real estate where we can choose to skin the cat multiple different ways. At the end of the day, you still have to have a client, someone who's willing to sell a house or buy a house. And um, there's multiple ways to do that. This episode here of this podcast is is really cool, actually, because it's a different way that a lot of people don't do. A lot of people, um, the buzzword for this might be builder trade-in, okay? That's kind of the buzzword across the country that some people do, whether it's a city or state that, you know, like a new car. representing builders. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're representing builders are, is, is common or not. Arizona is not really one of those type of cities or states, at least Phoenix is not. So it's more, it's more challenging. However, still a way to do it. And this, that's what we're going to discuss here today. And uh, I'll just jump right into it because that's what we're all about here, right, on this podcast. So picture the U- the UPS guy, the FedEx guy, now the Amazon Prime guy, um, right, who has a, uh, a certain route that they primarily cover, a certain area of town they primarily cover, and they, had, they get to know uh, the uh, neighbors or the people in these certain neighborhoods maybe, right, they're dropping packages off at all the time. 
And why do they do that? Well, they do it because they become efficient at it. If they do the same route over and over again for a period of time, they become efficient, even more efficient. They know where to, where, where to turn. They don't have to use GPS. They can turn left and right. They know what streets are north and south of each other, the whole nine yards. So take that concept. And in a larger city, this is what this is what works, right? Uh, like Phoenix. Uh, and, and you sit there and go, okay, where are the new home build communities? Now, they have their own sales staff. I, they're not going to hire me. I'm not going to represent the owner of this, you know, Fortune 500 company that's a builder uh, because they have own sales staff. So how do I maybe get business off this type of new construction, this type of lever? Well, what you do is you then say, okay, here are the new home build communities in this area of town, the suburb I want to work. And you obviously got to pick one where there's a decent amount because you want to have coverage. You want to have some opportunity here. And you drive to one of them and you say, I'm going to, and you, it's all about frequency and consistency. There's a consistency word again. So you drive to one of them and you meet um, the people who work those sales offices. Cause guys, I'm not sure if you're aware, but you, but people who work the sales offices at these new home build communities typically are there until um, the build, new home build community sells out. They sell all their lots. It could take six months, could take two years, just depends how many and so on and so forth. So um, you're going to meet that same person all the time, right? Or the same two people. Typically, they have seven-day coverages. So typically, you have two days off or one of the one of the people. So there's overlap on three days a week where both of them are there more than likely. You figure that out by visiting. Now, you won't know necessarily the first time you go or second time, but you'll figure that out. So then you map it. You, you keep record, organize this. And you map it and you get to know. So then say it's DR Horton. They have a community called, you know, uh, Equestrian Estates. I'm just making things up here, okay? In this certain area of town. DR Horton's a national home builder. Pulte is, Richmond American always are the same way. And you go in there and you meet Susie and John. And Susie and John, you find out they're both there. So obviously they're working that day. So it's if it's a Thursday, they're probably going to be there every Thursday. So then you make note that maybe on Thursday, you might want to visit Equestrian Estates. Now, is it every Thursday? No, they might get kind of sick of you. You have to find the right frequency, but it's probably somewhere between two and six weeks, somewhere in there. That you And guess what you're going to do? You're going to go in and you're going to have some sort of gift to give them every single time you visit. The very cheap, obvious one is Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, coffee. There you go. Most people love it. If they don't, they'll tell you. And the next week, you bring something else. Next time you visit, you bring something else. It can be something very small, very cheap. You know, coffee now is not cheap anymore, but, you know, five bucks or so-ish, yeah. right? You don't have to go with the grande size. You can go with the, you know, medium, whatever. And and maybe every once in a while, a little donut or something, I don't know, to go with it, croissant. But you bring that and you just say, hey, and you bring a stack of cards with a rubber band around it or whatever, and, and maybe some brochures. Now, on our team, what we did, we went as far as to think about the value proposition of working with us. And so we made a with nice, fancy brochure, you know, thick cardstock, glossy. So that's something you probably should get to. But you don't have to. Don't. This is this is the ready, aim, fire approach, right? Not sit back there and just go ready and then prepare to get prepared forever. You just got to go out there and take action. Mm-hmm. And so um, in this situation, that's what you're doing. You're going to give her cards. You're going to tell her all about you, your team, whatever it may be, and the value proposition as to why they might want to put their name on the line a little bit too recommend you in the event someone walks into their office and wants to buy a house. Here's the kicker. Listen, but they can't because they have a house to sell first. They can't get qualified until they sell the house first. So what they, what in this situation they want to do is they're going to go 
find an agent and they're going to put their house on the market and try to sell it and hope that they can still get the house they want from DR Horton at Equestrian Estates. Now, maybe some home builders will allow a 60-day contingency free of charge. Some do that, maybe 30 to 60 days. That gives them some time to get their house sold while still not losing that lot they really want at Equestrian Estates. So in this situation, the reason why the DR Horton person, Susie and John, may actually take the time to give that person your card is because they know you're a good agent. Now, how do they know you're a good agent? If you show up consistently to their sales office, they know that you are taking this serious and you're not a part-timer, hobbyist, number one. Number two, if you have some sort of marketing collateral to drop off to them, like we just talked about it, some sort of brochure with your value proposition. Now, the value proposition isn't just all the accolades you have okay, and, and have earned your experience, mm -hmm. the awards. Your, your value proposition is also some programs you might have. Like maybe you are willing to buy someone out of someone out of their lease. Maybe you're willing to give a um, a smaller commission on those deals potentially, or charge a smaller commission. I'm not saying you have to, but maybe you are um, for that seller, so that they feel like they have more money in their pocket potentially to then invest in the house at the Horton and the design center. Yeah, yeah, there you go, the upgrades, the design center. So. Those are things you need to consider when formulating your program, but don't take forever to do it. Go out and take action. Now, Susie also will refer you because she likes you, right? If you just hope one time Starbucks, that's cool. Drop some cards off. She might just throw them in the trash. Who knows the first time? Come back, be ready for ready to have some more cards, more brochures, just in case in the car, ready to go. And you bring her another Logan. And then you let her know, hey, look, this is my deal. I'm a new home specialist. I know everything in the area. And I know this area very well. And so I will get someone to, to sell their, I will sell their house quickly and fast so that you can get your commission and make your owners happy when it comes to, you know, selling more properties. Cause they're, a lot of these companies are, are publicly traded and they need to sell so many lots and so on and so forth every single month. And this is, and then when you leave Equestrian Estates, you drive down the road to Pulte and you do the same thing for Equestrian Manor. Whatever, right? Whatever that name is called at Pulte, and you meet you meet Jim and Sarah, and then you do the same thing there, and you go from one to the next to the next in a route like you're a Amazon Prime driver, and you notate who who their names are, what days they work at the sales office, and the type of gift you brought them last time, and if they maybe and if maybe they mentioned another type of gift they like better, like another type of coffee, or whatever it may be. And you come back every, like I said, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, but it's consistent and you will keep showing up. That's how you can build a business on a builder trading. Now, if you take a, or if you choose to charge a lesser commission, and that's one of your programs, only for new builds, by the way, that, that's it. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm going to do it specifically for you, Mrs. Susie at DR Horton, Equestrian Estates. If you choose to do that, the cool thing is most of these builders will still when you when you when you sell the house at DR Horton that they really like, they'll honor the compensation they pay out as a cobro commission to the buyer's agent. So if you take a discounted smaller commission on this side, you're hopefully going to make it up on the buyer side. And that's why you may consider doing that, but you got to check all these different builders and their policies and the procedures and make sure you know what the deal is before you start doing certain things for certain builders and so on and so forth. Do your due diligence. So that's another way you can serve people, clients, um, builders without even 
being paid by them, so to speak, and 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 have a niche that many many agents just don't have in this marketplace. That's how you can go about doing it. What questions, Elizabeth? Do you have? Yeah. So one thing that I just because I'm trying to understand kind of how the the process works. So if you have, let's say, I'm your client and I. I hire you because I want to sell my house and mm-hmm. maybe and I want to buy a new one. Maybe we look at a couple homes and I'm like, you know, I really want to build. I think I'm going to build. Um, <clears throat> now, obviously, you can't represent me on the buy side if I am going to build a house, correct? So I go, I pick a lot. I have a different I agent. absolutely can. Oh, you can't? Yes. Okay. So that's, yeah. So you can still, yeah. even though they have sales representatives, correct. you can because still- it's- Yes, great question. And I guess I just assumed, um, which I should not have done, that most agents understand that or- um, Well, I'm not an agent, uh, so many probably do, but- (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe some don't. There could be some people out there that are maybe newer or whatever. So, and some state laws could be different too. I I can't speak for all 50 states, but I do know in Arizona, they do allow dual representation. So technically, if you want to build, you don't have to have an agent. The- Builder's agent will Will be happy to represent you. But what they always do, and here's the thing, what they always do is they will make you sign an addendum as part of the purchase contract stating that you understand that in the event of a dispute uh, before it goes to ADR or mediation or litigation or anything of that nature, you fully understand that in the event there is some sort of, you know, uh, dispute where you have to choose size, they will always choose Choose the the builder. And so therefore you are out of luck. And so we make sure we tell every single person who's considering maybe building, if we have any inkling them to know that, that you absolutely should do and take an agent that's going to have your best interest in mind into that sales office, especially the first time. Because the first time, some builders will say, you know what, um, you were here the first time and they registered in and we have proof they registered. And so you were with them. So we we can't we can't uh, have you and honor that. And, the, and a lot of times the client's like, well, but, but we didn't know. We just didn't know any better. And we want this person, this agent to help us out. And like, sorry. And so now the, the client's like, okay, do I proceed and just, you know, take, take, roll, roll the dice here and buy the house uh, with no representation, truthfully, or do I just go buy a house somewhere else with representation? And guys, the truth of the matter is many times it's just fine. It's just fine. Right. In terms of nothing hairy comes up um, where nothing legal, nothing contractual and no issues there um, yet. Uh, when it does happen, it really stinks. So I've had a client, I've had, I've had clients before I've been 18 years, literally call me and they were like sobbing on the phone because they're like this, this such and such event happened. Didn't go the way it was supposed to. That's what, that's how these all events all come out to be. Right. Because when everything's hunky dory, when everything just goes smooth, but that doesn't always go smooth. And so I need help here. And I, I, and, I, and it's too late. They, they can't, you have to go get an attorney now. Right. And, and spend a lot of money, um, to try to remedy this solution or this problem, excuse me. So it's very interesting. And here's the thing about, about builders, especially the the track home builders before, do you think they don't know their financial model before they buy the house, the land, excuse me? Absolutely. They do. And do you think that they, for one second factor real estate commissions from all the buyers who are going to buy there into their pro forma as a sunk cost and expense on the pro forma before they even close on the land? 100%. I mean, okay, I'll say 99.9 because I guess there could be some really odd thing. And I don't know everything. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not that smart. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Only one, only one person is in the entire world. And that's Jesus. So that's not me. In um, all likelihood, if they're doing it right, they're, they're factoring it right. that it. <laughs> Correct. So that being said, 
when you go in that office, that 3% or 2% or 2.5% or whatever it is, that's already factored into the profitability of that lot that they're and the house they're going to build for you. So they're not gaining, they're, they're not losing, they're not losing anything by doing that in that situation. They might tell you they are, they might say this, say that, but they're not. Because they, unless they're just really just not smart and they're going and they're they're okay losing money and not being as profitable as they thought they would be on a certain project, which most people are not because these costs are huge, right? It's big money we're talking about here. And a lot of time, um, and a market cycle could cycle through from the time a, a subdivision opens before it closes, right? Two, three, four years on some of these big ones. So, um, you, you, you just really, really want that representation. And there's so many things a good agent can do for you on that representation, guys. Um, and, and things that you, you're like, okay, Kelly, what are those things so I can tell my clients? Well, some of those things are um, things that are not public record, which by the way, could be a lot except for the purchase price. Most builders won't want to obviously change the price for the person who comes in who's a 10th buyer as opposed to the person who's the first buyer in the neighborhood, right? They want, they can't give that 10th buyer a lower price because the first nine buyers will be all like, what the heck's going on here? Because it's public record. They can see that the 10th buyer paid less for the same house. That's not okay. And that's not what they want. They don't want that bad pub, clearly. Um, so what they will do, maybe do a little secret, what they do is they will negotiate with you on incentives, on and, and guys, so you mean like design center incentives? Maybe they could, could give more credits there. Money towards closing costs. Money towards closing costs. They could call, literally, I've had literally call, the sky is blue incentive. It means nothing except for the fact they're going to give you 15 grand off the price. Or credit, I should say, right? Mm -hmm. Not the price, the credit mm -hmm. or a lender credit or a design center credit. Or you know what? I've, I've negotiated two, to, uh, I think the most I did was three years. Three years of HOA dues paid up front to buy that house. The guy next to me, I can almost guarantee you didn't get that deal. The guy next to me didn't have an agent. Maybe he did, but the agent wasn't very experienced or didn't care, you know, because obviously not all agents are created equal. We all know that, right? So um, there's a lot of things you can do for your clients to get them a better deal, even if things are hunky-dory and everything runs smooth selling on, in terms of the escrow process and the build of the house. So anyways, that, that that's that's some things there, guys, you can do. And um and so you can, to ask your question, Elizabeth, you can do dual representation in the state of Arizona. So the builder's agent could represent you as well, but it's not smart. You should have your own separate representation and it's it's at no loss to the builder in doing so. Mm -hmm. yeah. And at no loss to the buyer, really. I mean- uh, Only gain only the buyer. Gain. Yeah. Because the buyer doesn't pay for they it. Don't, yep, exactly. Yeah, only gain. Even if the and person's- that could help you, you know- um, if you're already creating relationships with these sales office people, and then you do bring them a, like one of your clients does want to, you know, build, you bring them in. Hey, Susie, uh, I know I saw you last week, but I actually have a buyer here. That only helps your relationship more so that they're sending you business, which we all know yep. the game of life in real estate is, you know, referrals, creating relationships, um, you know, being, being nice, being friendly. Yeah. And, and if you get to know those people too, there's a good chance. I mean, this happened too, where I actually knew the buyer sell the builder, excuse me, sales agent. And, um, I had a client actually wander into a new home, uh, sales office and register because they just didn't know. And, you know, so shame on me for not telling them, but maybe I didn't know, maybe they didn't tell me they were even thinking about thinking about new builds. I don't know what the situation was, but I've had this happen. And, uh, and then they call me up and say, okay, Kelly, we found this the community. We actually really like, we're driving around on Sunday and we just, we just popped in. And then I go, did you register? And they go, yeah. And then my heart sinks. Oh no. Oh no. Right. 
And then they go, what does that mean? And I tell them and they go, oh, we would never would have done that if we would have known. So bad on me, bad on them, bad on the builder, whatever, right? But uh, the point is I could call up that sales office and ask the sales agent, look, here's what happened. It is truthful. I promise you, right? I'm not trying to just squeeze in here. I didn't like, you know, hold a sign on the side of the freeway and they stopped and said, yeah, I want builder, you know, representation. No, this was very truthful and they didn't know. And and I I was I would have explained this to them, but I didn't know because we were looking at homes that were in this neighborhood over here and nothing over there is brand new or whatever it is, right? And then they go, you know what? I've had this happen. You know what, Kelly? It's fine. We we know you. Um, it's an exception. We'll make it. No problem, right? So that's happened too. I've also had a situation where they didn't because I didn't have a relationship with anyone at that. There's no builder. rapport. Mm-hmm. There's no rapport. And so they're like, hey, yeah, you're, you're just some guy that uh, probably ran an ad or something, right? Looking for new build clients. And, you know, we're just going to take us for a ride. And you really didn't know these people. No, that's not the case at all. Um, now, could someone out there probably do that? Oh, I'm sure there's been agents that have tried all that, right? So it kind of skews the builder's um, mindset towards it. But so I get there, I get their position to an extent. Yet most of the time, the vast majority of time, I would argue that people just don't know. And for for whatever the reason, the agent didn't have a chance to explain it to them. Or maybe they did. And then three months went by because they didn't buy a house. By the way, has that ever happened? Do people take longer than three, four, five, six months to buy a house sometimes? Yes. And so they forget what you told them on day one. Hey, guys, if you walk into a new home build community, here's the deal. And they forget. It's six months later. Mm-hmm. But it seems like care. a minor thing at the at the moment <laughs> until you're you're locked into it. Yeah. Right. That's right. So there, there you go, guys. But that's one way you can actually lead generate. It's one way you can provide more value to your own business. And then and then that helps you build your database um uh, with, with more and more clients that hopefully will, because you did a good job, will be happy to refer you at some point in the future to their friends and family. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wonderful. And the reason that we kind of even brought this up today is because I know that during the the pandemic, there was a lot of halts on new construction, but in a lot of areas around the country, they are, they are picking that back up. And, um, you know, with the lack of, of existing home inventory that is still going on, um, new construction has always been, but will still be there. And um, you might have more more and more clients that are kind of looking to go that route. So something to keep in mind um, and more more people are going to be looking that route. So you can kind of scoop them up. There's an opportunity yeah. there. So great. Well, I'll kind of wrap this up by saying, if you are thinking of building a real estate team, please go to buildyourrealestateteam.com and download the whole plan there. Kelly, if anybody wants to talk to you about, um, you know, how to how to make friends, how to make money, how to do investing, how to build a team, any and all real estate related topics, what career they should choose if they're getting out of real estate, um, <laughs> where can they contact you? You know, I know a little bit about a lot of things, just so you know. <laughs> so I'm kind of dangerous in that way. But um, but an expert, residential, real estate, um, no doubt. So would love to chat with you about any of that stuff, guys. 480-227-2028 or info at cookandassociatesaz.com. Great. And we will see you all next week. Bye, Kelly. Thanks, Elizabeth. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, where we will discuss the latest and most relevant business strategies to help you do one thing extremely well, sell more homes. 
We'll discuss everything from business planning to lead generation and conversion to past client customer service and everything in between. Join us for authentic conversations and nuts and bolts takeaways you can implement into your business today. And now, selling real estate with Kelly Cook.